Many of us have now discovered that the world is not what we thought it was, and global events have left many feeling unsettled and even isolated. Karen Holton offers vital services that may be just what you need as she supports your journey into the weird and wonderful. Karen offers awakening support and ascension consultation to support individuals on their journey. For more details, check out her various vital services. Once you find your way through this process, there are many blessings on the other side. Visit Karen's website, KarenHoltonHealthCoach.com to get started today. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew, and I'd like to welcome to the show internationally acclaimed author and lecturer, Dr. Scott McQuaid. Dr. McQuaid, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, and I'm very excited to get into our conversation. We're going to be unlocking some of the secret meanings behind the scriptures in the Bible, going back to some of the most ancient texts, some of the most ancient writings by the Sumerians. Uh, but before we do that, Dr. Scott, I'd like to get a little bit about your background and what got you started down this path. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, Chris. I really appreciate it. Oh, and, thank uh, you for coming. I've been looking forward to talking with you. Um, I grew up in uh, the Christian community. I uh, was raised in the Christian church, went to uh, Christian grade school, high school, um, two Christian colleges, two, two uh, Christian seminaries. Uh, ended up getting my bachelor's in psychology, my uh, master's in scriptural psychology, and PhD in scriptural psychology. And um, just have always been very curious and wanting to know the truth. And there were a lot of things within the Christian church that just did not sit well with me. Um, during my time um, away from school and abroad, I had the opportunity to go to many different um, churches, different denominations, Methodist, Nazarene, Brethren, Baptist, all kinds. And uh, I saw so many different beliefs and doctrines within those uh, so-called Christian churches that all said, you know, they all call themselves Christian, yet they all believe different things. And so it really piqued my interest to find out how, it, you know, f this um, religion that is 2,000 years old uh, could be reading from the same book and teaching and learning from the same book called the Bible, yet believe so many different things. And so I started on a journey to um, discover what was going on. And uh, in that journey, throughout that journey, the Father, uh, I call, you know, who, who other people may refer to as God or the Lord God, being as the Father, just as uh, Christ did. And the Father called me out of all of that. It's very similar to what uh, Christ says in Revelation 18.4 when he says, Come out of her, my people, so you will not partake of her sin and suffer her plagues. And uh, the Father did that with me. and He, he set me on a course, and um, there's a lot more that goes into it. I was prophesied over many times by people uh, over the years who told me I would do specific things many years ago, and I've done those things and uh, have lectured and taught 
and uh, have written uh, to, to date. I have written, uh, I think, 16 books, and um, I've uncovered some just mind-blowing things that uh, we were told would be covered up until the end times, and that's what that's what I do. So, so would I be correct in saying that the Bible has basically been manipulated for control control of us? Well, the Bible is a it's a you know, we like to think of it as a book, but it's actually a compilation of different books that were written over hundreds of years. And, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, in, in one sense, yes, you would be correct in saying that, absolutely. Um, the one thing that I like to get across to Christians that they simply do not understand is that you can never, under any circumstances, understand the message of the Bible by reading it. It is an impossibility. And I know that that, you know, makes Christians angry and, and they want to deny it. But I've, I've done this for over 20 years and I know what I'm talking about. It is an absolute impossibility to read the Bible and understand the message within its pages. And the reason for that, you've said partly, because those who wrote the Bible, or I should say translated the Bible, uh, it doesn't matter if it's the NIV or the King James or the New Living Translation or uh, Young's Translation or any other of dozens of translations, because there's always this ongoing argument, which is the best translation. It doesn't matter. The truth can only be found within the pages of the Bible if we obey what it says, it says that in 2 Timothy 2.15, we must rightly divide the word of truth. <clears throat> and what that word divide or dividing means in that verse is to cut, like you take a pair of scissors and cut something. And when you cut something, it's no longer connected to the thing you cut it away from. And that's what has to be done. And this is what the Father has shown me over the years. And I've developed a method of exegesis which means interpretation, it means proper interpretation. And the, the idea of interpretation does not carry the meaning of a, an opinion or bias, personal bias. It means to translate. Like if, if you were, um, let's say you were trying to get a message to someone who spoke Spanish but did not speak English, okay? And you, you wanted them to know, let's just say something simple, like shut the door, Right? Right. And you wanted them to know that. And I spoke Spanish and English. Well, if you ask me to tell them to shut the door, I'm not going to tell them what my opinion of your words are. I am going to say, set on the puerta, which means shut or close the door. That is an interpretation. We have this idea, which is an incorrect, false idea, that interpretation involves bias or personal opinion. And it doesn't. Personal opinion is personal opinion, and bias is bias. Interpreting means you, you convey the meaning of the words. And the method of exegesis, which means interpretation, that I have developed with the help of the Father of the years, is undeniable. I have uncovered things within the pages of the Bible that have never been uncovered before. And interestingly, that is one of the things that probably 25 years ago, one of the prophets who prophesied over me as a young man told me that I would do, they said that I would uncover things 
that no one else could uncover and that I would unlock things that no one else had ever been able to unlock. And as a young man going about my business and singing in a band and, and doing my things that young men do, I didn't really, you know, I thought it was neat and interesting, but I just let it go. And, oh, a few years ago, <clears throat> after I had written a couple of books, I was looking for something in my office and I couldn't find it in a stapler or something. And I thought that it might be in a box that I had stored. And so I, I was looking through this box and I came across a bunch of audio tapes, like cassette tapes, you know, that no one hardly uses anymore. But, um, and they had writing on them, but it was all smudged off. And so I brought them up to my office and I didn't even have a cassette recorder to listen to them in. I had to purchase one off of eBay. And several days later when it got here, I popped in the tapes. And on these tapes, lo and behold, were these prophecies that they had prophesied over me. And the father had given me the foresight to record these on cassette tapes. And as I listened to them, I literally wept. I mean, I, I cried because everything that they said I was going to do 25 years ago that I had completely forgotten about, the father had taken me through and had helped me do over the years. And so uh, it was just fascinating what the father can do with a life that is totally given over to him. And, um, you know, is someone who just says, Father, take me and use me as a vessel for what you would have me do. And that's what I did. I actually, at one point in my life, I just got on my knees. I fasted for three days and I just told the father, I'm, I'm yours, whatever, you know, I'm broken. I'm, I've been uh, mistreated. I am disillusioned with uh, Christianity. Uh, I've been, been uh, you know, down this road and it's not where you want me and whatever you want, I'm yours. And he pulled me out of that and set me on this path. And since then, I've been able to lecture and teach and write these books and teach thousands of people. And it's truly been uh, a fulfillment of prophecy and uh, of blessing to my life and to other people's lives. Now, that's awesome. Uh, it's very fascinating. And speaking of some of those, you know, secret meanings, let's start in the book of Genesis with probably the most misunderstood terms or words, Elohim. Let's start there. Talk about that. Sure, sure. In the beginning, Eshit Elohim, in the beginning God created, right? That's the, those are the first words of Genesis 1. Eshit Elohim. And the, the interest, interesting thing about this, you know, if we don't have a proper context, or I can say foundation, on which to build anything, right? Whether it's a house, whether it's an apartment building, a business building, or a story, right? right? If we don't have a proper foundation, if that foundation is crooked, then every story in that book or in the building, if it's the stories of a building, are going to be crooked. And eventually that book or that building is going to fall apart. It's going to be like, you know, Leaning Tower of Pisa or something. And it's just going to be crooked and fall apart. Well, this is why it is so extremely important, Chris, to know the meanings of words. It's absolutely imperative. When the Bible um, talks about the word, it does not mean the Bible. It does not call itself 
the Bible. It means the word, and as in words, as in language. And the word Elohim is one of the most misunderstood words. Elohim, which is the word translated as God with a capital G, doesn't even mean that in the Hebrew. Never has. It means gods with a little g, rulers, judges, and angels. All plural, and it has nothing to do with God as a, a large g as a supreme being. And as you go down through that chapter, when you know what to look for, and you know, again, you know the word when you follow the word, right? It becomes clear that this is not, this is not the supreme being that is creating man. When you, when you follow that path, that, that passage through, it says that Elohim said, let us make man in our image, right? Let us make man. And the, <clears throat> the word make there is asa, okay? A-S-A-H. And the next, meaning Elohim, created man in his image, which should be their image because it's plural. So they, they said, let us make man. Let us asah man. And then it says in the next verse that they bara man. Bara is the word for create. So what is going on here? Well, what's really going on is because these entities are not the supreme being. They are literally asking permission from the supreme being. That's just exactly why they said, let, let us make man. And the answer they got, although it's not in the text, we can infer was, no, you may not. And so therefore they proceeded to create man. Okay. It's right. almost like uh, a child saying to the parent, can I, have, uh, can I have a brownie? And the parent says, no. And so the child, working within the letter of the law, goes ahead and takes a cookie. Because after all, they didn't, the parent didn't say they couldn't have a cookie. They said they couldn't have a brownie. So we're, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. <coughs> and um, so they proceeded to make or excuse me, they proceeded to create man. Well, there's a big, big problem with this. Huge. Because as you go down that chapter, at the end of that chapter, it says that the Lord God looked, or, or excuse me, that God looked and saw that everything they had made was good. Right? And this is one of those things that Christian pastors and, and you know, uh, Christians just gloss over. Okay, God, everything God made was good. God made the animals, the plants, the world, stars, me, everything's good, right? It's all good. Well, that's a big problem because that is not uh, a proper interpretation of what this passage says. It says that everything that God made, everything God asah, A-S-A-H, was good. And man was not made. Man was not Asa, man was created, man was bara. Therefore, this is, this is why we see the next words in the passage, because man, therefore, was not considered good 
and the next words in the passage are that God blessed and uh, rested, all right? And there's one other word I can't remember right now. But those words, there's three of them. Two of them are kala, and the other is Shabbat, where we get the word Sabbath. And all three of them mean the exact same thing. However, the translators of the Bible, as you were saying before, for purposes of control and deceit, translated those three words that have the exact same meaning in three different ways. Okay, And two of the words are even exactly the same word. They're kala. And the, the meaning of the words is not rested or blessed okay, or finished. That's the third one, finished. They can mean that if you twist it, if you apply an improper false context. But what they actually mean, all three of them mean the same thing, and it means to destroy or exterminate. Okay, all three of them mean to destroy or exterminate. So this begs the question, knowing that all three of those Hebrew words mean exactly the same thing, why would the writers of the Bible, the scribes, put, uh, translate them differently? Well, it's to, to make people think that everything was good and to proceed with the, on to the rest of the Bible and not question the authenticity or the the um, goodness of man because if you start questioning that it it deteriorates the foundation and they don't not, they don't have a springboard or a platform to work from to create all of the other systems the financial system the educational system the religious system all these other systems if the foundation is questioned or if you see the cracks in it so that's actually what's going on there and this is why when we go to the new testament Asu says, I, I call Jesus Asu. I mean, and I should explain that because the, the name Jesus is not a name. It's just a name. in the English alphabet, fifth century. Okay. This name. No, I'm sorry, uh, Doctor, you were doesn't, up. It doesn't come from. What you were just saying about Jesus' name, you broke up a little. Yeah, no problem at all. The word or the name Jesus is not really a proper name. And Christians will always say, that's right, it's Yahushua or Yeshua, and that's not correct either. All of these, the Greek, the Hebrew, these names, all right, are, are improper. The letter J, first of all, did, in, the, in the English, did not come along, was not even in the alphabet until about the 5th century. And they added that on to Esu, okay, and gave him the name Jesus. That's an improper name, and it's not from Yahushua or Yeshua. That is improper also. Both the Greek and the Hebrew come from the oldest language known to man, and that is the cuneiform. I have proven through this method of exegesis hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times that all of these things come from the cuneiform. The cuneiform is the oldest style of writing, and it is what the Sumerians used, and the Babylonians and Chaldeans and many, many others in that area. But it's the cuneiform that we need to look for when we rightly divide these things. And in the cuneiform, which is made up of logograms, you can think of logograms as pieces of words, kind of like syllables, if you will. And in the cuneiform, there's one logogram that is 
E, like our letter E, it's transliterated as E, and another logogram from the stylus markings, uh, which is SU. And stylus markings are the little, like if you see a clay tablet, like with a little, looks like little birds walked across it on wet cement, that those are cuneiform stylus writings, okay? And it's interesting that they use tablets and styluses, just like we used tablets and styluses today, right, in our technology. But that's what they call them, tablets and styluses. But anyway, E means temple, and SU means to anoint. So ASU is the temple to anoint, right? The anointed temple or the temple to anoint. And by the blood, if you want to say that. That's what this whole name actually means. And so... That is, uh, you know, that's where that name comes from. It's, it's not from the Hebrew or the Greek. It comes literally from the cuneiform. And so that's, that's the name that I use. And um, so I hope that helps. Yes. Now, you know, speaking of Jesus, who he was, it, it seems that his story also parallels the story of that of Horus from the Egyptian mythos. Uh, could you talk a little bit about little bit about more of who he was help us understand yeah sure well this is a story again that goes just like all the other stories in the Bible and this is not something that Christians know because the powers that be have hidden it intentionally from the public they don't want people to know this they want people to think that the stories in the Bible are inspired by God and the Bible is inerrant and doesn't have any errors and all these these are not true these are doctrines there have been entire books written proving that the Bible has many, many hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of errors. And I'm not talking about just a little, you know, a little jot or a tittle missing from a word. Um, I'm talking about contradictions and mistranslations. It's, it's full of these. But the layman doesn't understand this because they go to church, they hear the pastor teach, they, they say hallelujah and sing a song, and they think everything's good because they've been led like sheep, and it's a big problem. But... Asu said that the only way that we can be free is to know the truth, okay? Right. So who was he? What, what was he? You brought up a very good point, Chris, that this story is old, right? It's been told over and over and over again. And what story is it that I'm talking about? Well, I'm talking about the story of the Son of God who came to earth was born of a virgin, uh, proceeded to do many miracles, turn water into wine, walk on water, raise people from the dead, was crucified for the people, and ascended to heaven, and is coming back someday. It was told many, many times. You mentioned Horus, and there's Dionysus, and there's Mithra, and there's Bacchus, and there's many of these, and even the Sumerian, where it first started, where the Son of God, whose name was Kingu, K-I-N-G-U, which is why the placard was King of the Jews, K-I-N-G-U, because that word Jew comes from the cuneiform, uh, spelled G-U, and this is why that was above his head. It is a, a telltale sign that that story came from the Sumerian story, where the Son of God was named Kingu. K-I-N-G-U. And he was uh, pierced. His arteries were slit at the time. Not, not on a cross, but on 
or excuse me, at the time of the crossing of a planet called Nibiru, which the Bible refers to as the Son of Man or um, Wormwood. Wormwood would be the, actually the star of that of that planet. Like we have our own star. It would be the star of, of Nibiru. And so this story is ancient. It is not unique to the Bible. And I promise that it does not. It does not mean what Christians think that it means. It has a completely different meaning than what people have been told. But they've been given a false context. And on top of it, there has been a great identity theft that has taken place. And because of these things, the, you know, giving people false context and teaching them lies for 2,000 years or more, it has enabled the powers that be to govern by those lies and to bring humanity uh, wherever they want it, like leading a cattle or a cow or a pig by the nose with a ring. That's exactly how people have been led. If you believe lies and you follow those lies, and you willingly operate under that, you're, you're simply like uh, a puppet or a marionette and whose strings are being pulled. And we like to think that we have free will, but I assure you, <laughs> people do not have free will um, because they're, they're governed by lies. And um, so, so really the question is, I would say, what is the meaning of this story? If Jesus did not die on the cross for our sins to reconcile us with the Father because his blood was the propitiation for our sins, to cover our sins, to make us um, so the Father can look upon us and receive us back, what, what was the story all about? I mean, this is, a, this is something that billions of Christians passionately believe. But I want to bring up a couple verses here. Sure. One of those one of those verses is Second Thessalonians two eleven, and it says this. It says because they did not love the truth, God handed them over. The Father handed them over to a strong delusion that would cause them to believe a lie. You can say cause them to believe lies. Well, as Christians read this verse, they say, "Oh yes, this is the unsaved." This, this is a reference to the pagans or those evil Muslims or those bad Hindus or the Buddhists, you know, or whoever. And um, the fact is it's a reference to humanity that has been factioned into many, many different, uh, different schisms, different religions, different ways of, of uh, thinking. And um, it's, that's who it's re referring, or excuse me, a reference to. It's not, you know, to another religion. And it is absolutely a reference to Christians just as well. And what is the truth that they did not love? Well, Asus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So he was the truth. And how is it, therefore, that Christians didn't love the truth? Well, when the leader, the religious leader of the Pharisees named Caiaphas brought Jesus, falsely accused him and brought him before Pilate, the, the leader, the Roman leader. And Pilate said, 
I don't see anything wrong with this man's behavior. He's done nothing wrong. And he said to the people, what do you want me to do with him? I don't see that he did anything wrong. And they shouted and said, crucify him, crucify him. And today, Christians embrace that crucifixion, saying, yes, this was the Father's will. He had to die for our sins. But yet, he was innocent. He was innocent. And see, being say to you, in like for one of the Ten Commandments, for instance, do not murder, okay? Meaning, meaning do not kill innocent people. It does not mean don't kill because evil people are worthy of death. It means don't kill innocent people. And you can't have a God give you that as one of the commandments. And that being a God who says, I change not. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, is whole, is unified. And then he says, I change not. The Father is not schizophrenic. He's not double-minded. He's not a hypocrite. He doesn't change his mind in the middle of the game and change the rules. So, But this is what Christians want the world to believe, that God says do not murder innocent people in one of the Ten Commandments, and then they turn around, and God turns around and says, oh, oh wait, wait, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. To, to reconcile yourself to me, you can go ahead and kill my innocent son. That's not how it works. That right. is not how you know, the Father works. So <clears throat> what is this really telling us? Well, technically, the blood was called the propitiation for sin. And propitiation means to appease or placate, right? Right. To appease or placate. Now, well, how do you appease or placate sin? Well, we first have to understand what sin is, because there's not a person listening to this who understands what sin is. I don't care if you're a pastor, a theologian, a, an armchair scholar, a biblical scholar known around the world, a student of the, of the Bible, a Christian for your whole life. No one listening to this knows what sin is, unless they've read my books or unless they've heard me lecture or talk before, because this is a deep secret that has been hidden from humanity intentionally. When Asu spoke to the masses, he never, ever spoke the truth openly. He didn't do it. He only spoke in parables. That's what the Bible says. He spoke only in parables. And one day, the, the disciples stopped him because this bothered them. And they, and they said, Master, why do you speak to them in parables? Why don't you simply give the truth to them openly? And he said to them, because having ears, they hear not, and having eyes, they see not. But for you, his close you know, group of, of disciples, he said, having ears to hear and eyes to see, it is for you to know the secrets of the kingdom. So only those who have ears to hear and eyes to see can know the mysteries of the kingdom. That's the way it is. And that's, he's talking about the truth. So there's, there's few relative to the general population that are going to be free. Because he said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. But only those who have eyes to see and ears to hear will know the truth. So how can we see what sin is? Well, there is a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And it is called sin. Okay, just like we have A, B, C, D, F, G letters in our alphabet, one of the letters in their alphabet is called sin. 
spelled S-I-N. And this letter shows two lines coming together. Think of the letter V, and they're connected at the top. And at the top of each of those lines is the smallest Hebrew letter called a Yod. It's where we get the word God. Okay, it's a Yod. We will pronounce it God. So this is showing two gods, little g, which literally means angels, two Elohims, two gods coming together, connected at the bottom, and from the union of that that uh, those two uh, letters, or excuse me, those two lines, a third branches off with a little yod at the top. So it's almost like a double U, a double U in our language, in our alphabet. What this is showing is two coming together to create a third, which we would call procreation. And this is why our letter in the English language, which shows the same exact thing, is called a double U. Because when you procreate, you double you. You replicate you, yourself. Right. Okay? This is why they hid this until the time of the end. And the fathers helped me uncover this. And this explains a great deal. And so this is sin. So the question is, who's doing it? And how do you placate or appease sin. Well, procreation being sin is really, you can say sex, okay, or intercourse. And how do you, how do you appease it? Well, if you're an angel, if you're a fallen angel, and you do not have the ability to procreate, like the Bible says, there's no giving or taking in marriage in heaven because the angels don't do that. If you don't have that ability and you want to appease your desire for it, or placate your desire for sin, you need to do something that will enable it and, and enable you to do it. Well, this is what they did. And this is the exact story of not only the uh, death of Christ on the cross, but also the Ark of the Covenant, the Covenant in the in Genesis. But let's let's stick with the with the crucifixion story first, and I'll, I'll explain what this means. In order to in order to procreate, the fallen angels disguised as both uh, Elohim and the one incorrectly referred to as the Lord God in chapter two of Genesis needed to do something. They needed, they actually needed something. They needed the part of our genetics which is necessary for cloning. And that piece of our genetics, which is one molecule within our DNA, one of the two molecules in our DNA is called RNA. If you ask any geneticist, they'll tell you that RNA is necessary for cloning. Well, RNA is not naturally occurring on Earth, and neither is uh, phosphorus or um, phosphate, which is the second molecule in our DNA. Neither of those are naturally occurring on Earth. It's kind of boggled scientists' minds for a long time. 
because they don't know this story. Well, how do you get how do you get RNA? Well, they knew a long time ago because the technology they had was incredible. It was far beyond what we have today. And they knew how to get it. Well, we have only determined how to get it over the last probably six or seven years. When a group of astronomers who were looking through the infrared or iris telescope down in Chile discovered a star. And they looked at this star. It was a new star. They'd never, it had never been discovered before. And it was unique. It was in the infrared spectrum, and it was entirely cloaked in a cloud. And this cloud was entirely made up of a substance called glycolaldehyde. Well, what's unique about glycolaldehyde is that it is the substance that you need to synthesize RNA. Without glycolaldehyde, you can't create RNA. In other words, you can't create RNA without the star. Okay, And stars are suns. This is the story of the crucifixion of the Son of God. When we hear in the Bible that the Son of God was pierced on the cross and blood and water came out, that word doesn't really mean blood and water. It just means a liquid substance. That is a metaphor. Actually, it's an allegory for them, the fallen angels, piercing the star, which we would call wormwood, and in order to obtain the glycolaldehyde to create RNA. That's literally what is going on here. And being told in the story of Dionysus and Horus and Bacchus and Mithra and Kingu and Jesus. This is the story. And this was the fallen angels who did this because they came here, they wanted to procreate, and they, what they did was they literally created man called Adam and then took the rib, which is, again, a shortened version or play on the word ribonucleic acid, and they took that, which is RNA, and cloned Eve. That's literally what the text says. And so that's, that's where we are today. We're living in the aftermath of this unlawful act. I, you know, all the books that I've written talk about this and go into great detail. And I explain the etymology of the words and all this. I break it down so anybody can read it and understand it. Um, very easy to read. And... Um, do you mind if I give the website where they can find these? Of course, go ahead. Okay, yeah, all of the books and the CDs and the DVDs and everything are available at PaxionPublishing.com. It's spelled P as in Peter, A-X-E-O-N, Publishing.com. And I also teach. If you if you want to become a student, uh, I spend one hour one-on-one -on -one with every student every month, and I teach you one-on-one. -on -one. And um, or you can become a basic member. There's like six different memberships you can choose from. And if you have a desire to look into that and look deeper into these things, you can do that at innercircle.us. That's innercircle.us. It's an entire social network like Facebook, but I own it, and that's where I teach from. And you can read my works there. You can 
listen to uh, radio interviews and lectures, and there's thousands of videos and all kinds of things. What can we do to fight back against big pharma and the compromised medical industry? We can become healthy and break free from the perpetual cycle of being poisoned by criminal organizations like most pharmaceutical companies. Come check out what may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man, C60 Purple Power. The benefits of C60 have been personally outstanding. I use it every day and I feel incredible. I have tons of energy, I sleep great, and I haven't even come down with a cold since I started using C60 over two years ago. You can even get C60 for your pets. Do your own research, click the link in the description, and check out their website. If you order from that link or use coupon code KNOWLEDGE10, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping. What is your health worth to you? Yes, and I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna leave a link to all that in our description as well. And thank you for thank you, Chris. Oh yes. Now getting back to our creators, um, I understand that there's a certain name for them that is, um, let's just say, taboo to say the least. Right. Talk about the names of the name of our creators. Oh, certainly. Yes. Uh, this is one of the things, one of the main, most important things that has been hidden from humanity beginning with Christianity. The name of the one in the Bible, as you uh, start with Genesis chapter 2, is absolutely false. It is translated as the Lord God or Yahweh or Jehovah. None of those names or anything similar is an accurate translation. That is rubbish. Those are lies. And anybody who uses those names shows a great lack of understanding of the language. You cannot pronounce those letters. This is why the Greeks, when they translated the Bible in the Septuagint, they called those letters YHVH, the tetragrammaton. Yod, he, vav, he in the Hebrew, and they called it the Tetragrammaton in Greek because Tetragrammaton just means four letters because they knew that's all they were. Because in the Hebrew language, in order to print, it's an abjad language, A-B-J-A-D, and that's, it means it's a consonant-based language. And in order to pronounce the consonants in an abjad or even an abugida language, you must have vowel markings. And those vowel markings are called nikud, N-I-Q-Q-U-D. And they are in, or excuse me, they're above the consonants. And they tell you what vowel sounds to place between the consonants. And in the oldest texts that we have of the Bible, there are no vowel markings by those letters anywhere near them. So they're just four letters. But what are they? So you know they they call Jehovah Yahweh the Lord God those are those are rubbish those are just man-made fabricated manufactured false translations they don't you cannot translate those letters that way but what what do these letters mean well i asked the father this too and i prayed about this and i i looked into this and he showed me 
I had to discover this on my own. I, I sat under some of the most world-renowned scholars when I went to seminary and college, and they didn't know, and nobody ever talked to knew how to do this, what they meant. They would just give me the, the answer, well, there's just some things that we're not meant to know, and et cetera, et cetera. I didn't buy that because Asus said, we can know the truth, and the truth will make us free, right? And I believe those words to be true. And so I looked into this, and I read a passage in Jeremiah 6, 16 that says, seek the old pathway in which you will find rest for your soul. And that passage in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament was also quoted by Asu in the New Testament. So I knew there was validity to it. There's something to it. Well, what is the old path, I thought? Because the word old is olam, and it means both ancient, but it also means enduring. And so I said, what is the ancient and enduring path that I need to follow to understand these things? And the Father showed me that the cuneiform was that ancient path. It is. This is why it's both the most ancient language or style of writing, but it is also the most enduring. I can look at any language, whether it's Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, Mandaic, uh, even modern languages like Spanish, Latin, uh, German, French, Italian, any, English, any, any language, and you can find the logograms of the cuneiform within those languages. Okay? And so I started looking at this, and I thought, well, I need to trace these letters back then. And so what I did was I transliterated them first <coughs> into the Aramaic, because the Aramaic is the sister language of Hebrew, which came before Hebrew. And when I transliterated them back into the Aramaic, they became I-A-U-A. -A. That's what the yod he vav he or the Y-H-V-H, transliterated to. I-A-U-A. -A. Then I thought, okay, I've got something here, but what is it? <laughs> I didn't know. Then the Father led me to a verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 29, 15, and 16. It says that there would be those people who secretly conspired, who met in secret in, dark, in the dark to hide their counsel from the Father and in doing so turned things upside down, which also means backwards, that would be looked upon as the potter's clay. The potter's clay. And this is who we're dealing with. We're dealing with that figure, YHVH, that they erroneously call Yahweh, who was the potter who molded man. And so I thought, I'm on to something here. So I thought, well, if they turn things backwards, and these letters, I, A, U, a refer to the tetragrammaton YHVH, then I need to turn them back around into their original form. And when I did that, it became A-U-A-I. And this was very, very telling to me because I had discovered that this entity was the fallen angels. These were the fallen angels. But in the uh, Sumerian creation epic called the Enuma Elish, in the sixth tablet of the Enuma Elish, it calls these creators of man, these potters 
who it says created man out of in, in clay pots, it calls them the Anunnaki. And I knew then that these letters, A-U-A-I, were simply the vowels of the name Anunnaki. A-N-U-N-A-K-I. A-U-A-I. Anunnaki. So, again, I had corroborating evidence to show that the, the, the creators of man in the Sumerian epic, the most ancient of the creation stories, corroborated the fact that these ones in the Bible, so known simply by four letters, Y-H-V-H, were the same entity. And why would they not be? In the Bible, it says that the, this entity was the potter. And in the Sumerian story, it says that they made man in clay pots. And it says that the man they made was Adam in the Bible. And in the Sumerian epic, it says that his name was Adama. And it says that they placed him in, the, uh, in Eden in the Bible. And in the Sumerian story, it says that he was placed in the Eden. And so all these stories are exactly the same. They're, they're, they're exactly the same. So why would the name of the creators not be the same? Well, the fact is that they are. This is just a modernized version of the creation story brought forth and put into the Bible in our time to fool us, make us think that it's different, that it's unique, it's inspired by God and inherent and all these kinds of things. And those teachings are lies. They're not. They come as all the stories in the Bible, Noah's Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, all these things. Um, they come from a much older source, and that is the Sumerian and Babylonian. And so that's something that I had to uncover. And when I did, it was just, you know, mind-blowing, um, all of the correlations. And again, all these different, all the nuances and details are outlined in the books. And uh, people really need to read these things because... I, I say this in all humility, but the fact is no one else on the face of the earth is going to tell you these things because they don't know them. When the Father calls someone to do a work like this and to uncover things, he, you know, he doesn't just do it for everybody. He calls certain people, just like, just like in the Bible, when certain people came along at certain times, you know, Jonah and Habakkuk or, or Nahum or Joel, any of these people or, or the disciples or Christ or anybody. He, he put certain people in the world at certain times to do certain things to tell people what was going on. Because, again, people are under the delusion, like it says in Second Thessalonians 2.11. And might I add that another verse in the New Testament which tells us exactly what I was saying earlier about the glycolaldehyde being taken from the sun and uh, being used to create man is in Romans 1, 22 and 23, where it says, confessing themselves wise, they became fools. Then it tells us why in the next verse. Transforming the glory of God, of an uncorruptible God, into the image of corruptible man. And we break it down and we leave out the adjectives. It says, transforming the glory of of God into man. But the word glory is the word doxe in the Greek, D-O-X-C-E, which literally means the shine of a star. 
and stars are suns, the shine of the sun. So they took, they transformed the glory, the shine of a sun, and transformed it into man. And that is literally the point in time when the fallen angels made man by taking the glycolaldehyde from the sun, at which time they became fools. And uh, if you ask a Christian or a pastor what that means, they say, well, this is a reference to pagan sun worshipers, obviously, but it's not. It, it goes much deeper than that. It's a genetic reference, and th none of this has been known until now. This is why, you know, it says in Daniel, it says that uh, um, Daniel was told to seal up the book until the time of the end when knowledge would increase and people would be going to and fro in the earth. And we're living at the time of the end right now, which is why I've been able to uncover these things and open the book. So that's the true story of what's going on in humanity. Well, that's very fascinating. And so would you say that the book of, say the book of Enoch and the book of Jubilees, that these were intentionally removed uh, because they told too much of what we weren't supposed to hear? Yes, I would say that unequivocally. I would say that uh, especially Enoch and Jubilees right. and Jasher, and there's others too, First and Second Ezra's and uh, uh, Baruch, who was the scribe of Jeremiah, and uh, many books were removed. Now, these books are still in the Ethiopic Bible, the, the Eastern, uh, the Ethiopic texts because they never took them out. Um, and see, Christians need to understand the history of the Bible. Christians will tell you, and they'll argue this all day long, that you can't take anything out of the Bible or add to it, because it says in Revelation that you can't do that. Well, first of all, that reference is not a reference to the whole Bible, <laughs> because it's when that was written in Revelation, the Bible was not compiled. It's a reference to not take anything out or add to the book of Revelation, specifically. Okay, And if that were... Um, to apply to the whole Bible, then why did the church fathers at the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Trent, and others hundreds of years ago take it upon themselves to remove not just verses or words or passages, but entire books? You see, because it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. And this is why to be good workmen, like 2 Timothy 2.15 says, who don't want to be reprimanded by the Father, we must rightly divide the truth, meaning cut. Orthotomeo is the word divide. It means to cut. And we have to do that. And this is how I've been able to uncover these things, by taking the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic words and cutting them into the pieces of words called logograms in the cuneiform, because each of the logograms has definitions in, in the uh, Sumerian, in the, in the cuneiform. And when you do that, it's like opening up a flower. It's like it's like blossoming this flower, which gives you the truth that's been hidden. Like Daniel says, it was the book was sealed up and the words were hidden until, until the time of the end, when knowledge would increase. And so, and that's what I do. That's what the Father's called me to do. So. That is awesome. And I want to thank you for sharing all that with us. And I thought we'd end with, um, you talked about Nibiru and Wormwood. And there's so much going on in our world right now. The earth is changing drastically. Um, would you say that that has anything to do with it? Uh, yes, absolutely. It has everything to do with it. Um, the 
when when uh, Asu was asked by the disciples, various places in the Bible, like Matthew 24, what would be the sign of his coming? He gave different telltale signs, wars and rumors of wars, and um, nation rising against nation and different things. And one of the things that he said was that there would be earthquakes in diverse places. Diverse places. Now, we've all been taught for a long time that that simply means that there would be earthquakes happening around the world in diverse places. You know, maybe China, maybe Russia, maybe Japan or, or Norway or Scotland or, you know, diverse places. Well, what if he meant something more by that? What if he meant something very, very specific by that? Well, the, I tell you, he did. As a fact, he was referring to a very very specific location on the globe on earth okay and um and to get down to the bottom of it to, to find out where he was referring to we need to look at the meanings of these words okay um and here's an example the word diverse is the word kata all right and um it means down through, it also means according to, but it also means um, from a higher place to a lower place, and it means under or underneath. Okay? Now, when we look at these words and we think of a birth happening, okay? Because the idea, that the metaphor of a birth, of a woman travailing in labor, right? And having labor pains, travailing to give birth. This is something that is uh, said throughout the Bible. It's a metaphor that is applied to the end times throughout the Bible. Uh, a woman travailing to be delivered. When we think of the meaning of the word kata, which is the word diverse, being um, down through, Okay, or from a higher place to a lower place, we need to think of a birth canal. That's what it's literally referring to. Okay, and this is why he used this specific word. All right, and the other word, places, and I'm going to explain this more in detail in a second here, but the word places, as in diverse places, in the book of Acts, what's oh, the word topos? in the Greek, and in the book of Acts, it literally is defined as the place where two seas meet, okay? Where two seas meet. So we're talking about a birth canal, okay? This woman who is travailing in labor to be delivered, we're talking about a birth canal, and we're talking about uh, a place where two seas meet, all right? Now, we have to understand that when a woman's giving birth, there's a, there's a place on her anatomy that is very hot and it burns greatly, okay? Now keep that in mind. Um, in that place, location on her body is right below the vagina, and right above the anus, in that location right there. It is called the ring of fire. The ring of fire. Now, we also have a ring of fire on the planet. 
okay? And it's over there where there are over, there's like 500 volcanoes in this ring of fire in, in north of the, the uh, North Pacific Ocean. And these things are going crazy right now. But if you look at the epicenter of the ring of fire in the, in the place where two seas meet, that would be the North Pacific and the South Pacific, and actually to the left of this, there's over a dozen other seas, the Sea of Japan, many, many other seas in there. But the place where two seas meet, which is the definition of topos, which Asu used uh, when he said diverse places, sits Hawaii. Okay? And Hawaii right now is going crazy. I mean, they say, experts are saying that it's going to be at least 100 years before the Big Island uh, recovers, if it ever does. But it's going crazy. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of, um, of uh, volcanoes, or excuse me, earthquakes happening there on a daily basis. This is why he said diverse places, right? And the, the reason this is so important for us to understand is because this is a direct fulfillment of what it says in Revelation chapter 12 when it says there was a woman travailing to be, li to be delivered and there was um, clothed, with, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and the crown of 12 stars. Well, that happened in, or completed in September uh, 24th, on September 24th, 2017, with the alignment of Virgo. But that is a celestial depiction. What we're experiencing right now with Hawaii just basically falling apart because of all these these earthquakes is the earthly depiction of this same woman. You can call it Mother Earth or you can call her Eve, who was called Eve by Adam because she was the mother of all living. That's what the word Eve means. But the reason I know that Hawaii is a earthly depiction of this uh, prophecy in Revelation 12 is because the name Eve, well, first of all, you should understand that the, the letter V and W are interchangeable in the Hebrew, okay? So, the, and the name Eve is Hava, H-A-V-A. -A. That is exactly the name Hawaii. It is Hava-e. Hava literally means Eve. And if you look to the cuneiform, the last two eyes in the name Hava-e literally mean, they're logograms, and they mean cries of complaint and tears, as in a woman who's crying or complaining because she's in labor to be delivered. Okay, so Hawaii is literally a depiction of the mother or the woman travailing to be delivered. The name Hawaii literally means Eve. So you won't hear anyone else tell you that probably, but that's because they don't understand that. But this is really, truly what's going on. And it's, it's not going to stop. They say there's no signs of it stopping. And if that uh, falls off, if Hawaii falls off, it will it will greatly affect the plate, the Pacific plate, and will probably send about a thousand foot tidal wave or tsunami toward the Pacific coast, toward the west coast. 
And that's what's getting ready to happen. And all this is happening because Asu, who is literally one and the same as Wormwood, is coming to Earth, as in, is in close proximity, actually, to Earth. This is why all this is, all this is happening. So um, people need to understand that that is not simply um, a state in the Pacific Ocean that's experiencing some, some uh, earthquakes and some volcanic activity. It is the place that Asu spoke of, of literally when he said earthquakes would happen in diverse places. In other words, where two seas meet. Uh, at the place where uh, it's going from a higher place to a lower place or down through, which is what diverse means, okay, from, as in a birth canal. This is literally what's going on. Wow. Yeah, it, it, I mean, we're seeing so much happen in a short amount of time, and it's amazing the, um, what's happening in Hawaii. It's terrifying to think that that could happen. And, um, you know, I hope we, we have time to prepare for all of this. Um, but Dr. Well, Scott, uh, no, go ahead. Well, you know, the thing is, people are probably asking, well, if, if Jesus didn't die on the cross for our sins and he is actually wormwood and we're not covered by his blood, you know, what, what's the mechanism of redemption? What, how do we be saved? Well, what did, what did Asu say? He, he told us. See, we complicate everything. Humans have a way of complicating everything they touch. And this is no different. He told us very specifically how to obtain eternal life. Very, very, very easy. Okay? It's not about the blood and the sanctification and the propitiation for the sins and all these doctrinal, bloated doctrinal uh, beliefs that, that are passed down over the last 2,000 years that have bloated Christianity, the body of Christianity, with leaven. Okay, it's not those things. Leaven is yeast, and when yeast enters a body, it creates an environment for disease or sickness. This is why the Christian church is diseased. It's, it's irreparable. It's gone. It's, it will not be repaired. The only way someone can be repaired is by obeying the truth that Asu taught. He said, in John 5.24, he said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, that the day is coming when he, when he who hears my voice and believes in the one who sent me will be raised to everlasting life. And he goes on in the next verse and says again, truly, truly, emphasizing the fact that this is true, truly, truly, I tell you the day is coming and is even now, okay, that he who hears my voice or the, excuse me, that the dead will hear my voice and be raised to life. And the verse before that, he actually said that if we hear his voice and uh, believe in the one who sent me, who sent him, w that we will not be, uh, that we will not enter condemnation, which means judgment, and we will be raised to eternal life. That's it. Believe in the Father. Listen to what Asu said about following him, you know, obeying him, loving your neighbor as yourself, loving the Father, and listening to his voice. And now I'm going to tell you a secret, another secret, okay? 
And I don't say that, you know, as if, wow, I've got a secret to tell you. I'm saying it because there's not a pastor alive who knows what I'm about to tell you and your listeners. And it's important because when he said that, it, that you need to listen to his voice and hear his word, those two words mean the same thing, literally. Because when you take the word word back to the Aramaic and you transliterate it into the cuneiform, it means exactly the same thing as the word voice. That word literally means tone. Okay? That is the first and primary definition of the word word. It's not logos. It's not a reference to listening to Jesus. Okay? It's important to listen to what he tells us to do, but that is a secondary definition. The word word and the word voice literally mean the same thing. It means tone. Tone. Okay? And there are people who hear the tone and people who do not hear the tone. And this is a literal thing. This is not some fabrication, some, some uh, conjuring of, a, of the mind of a madman or, or some false teaching or something. This is what it means, literally. And so if people do not hear it, I would strongly encourage them to be very, very, very quiet and very, very humble and lay themselves it. Because it is that tone that is a sign that someone is going to be able to have everlasting life, quite literally. And this is why. You see, the difference between what I'm teaching you, which is true, and the difference, and, and what is, has been taught for 2,000 years by Christianity is, is vast. Okay? But this is why the Bible says that there will be many, many in that day that say, Lord, Lord, did we not give people a glass of water in your name? Did we not visit the prisoners in prison? Did we not do these things for you? And he will say to them, what? Depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. It's like he's speaking, he's speaking, and people are only listening to what they want to hear. And so when the truth comes along at the time of the end, like it is right now with everything I'm teaching, when the truth comes along, they already think that they know the truth. Well, I know Jesus as my personal Savior, and his, I'm covered by his blood, and what you're teaching is false because the Bible says in the end times there will be false teachers. No, what the Bible says in the, is in the last days, in the last days, there will be false teachers and false Christ. Well, the Bible tells us in Second Peter and the Psalms that a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So when he said that, what that literally means is over the last 2,000 years or two days, there have been many, many, many false teachers who are deceiving the world. This is why the world beginning with Christianity is so divided and so diseased and so confused because they have gone after their delusion. Second Thessalonians 2.11, because they did not love the truth, God handed them over to a strong delusion that would cause them to believe a lie. Now, the Father didn't create the delusion, 
he handed humanity over to that delusion. He handed humanity, he handed the fallen angels who rebelled over to that strong delusion that has caused all of humanity to believe lies. This is why you can go to a hundred different Christian churches and ask them a set of ten questions and get ten different answers from every church about salvation, baptism, sanctification, not everything, on and on and on. They believe different things because they believe lies. And this is why he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And I don't want that to happen to the Father's children, to those who truly love him, who truly want to go home. This is why I'm here. This is why I do what I do. So I, you know, I've done it for over 20 years, and there's a very, there's very few relative to the whole population of the world that even listen. But that's why, you know, <laughs> that's what the Bible tells us. You know, if we look at this as a, like an example of the disciples, there are only 12, right? But there were thousands and thousands and thousands of other people. But only the, Asu said that only the disciples knew the mysteries of the kingdom, knew the truth. Because they were the only ones with eyes to see and ears to hear. Ears to hear. You see? So, these things are important. And I encourage people to put aside their pride, put aside their, their anger, put aside their false doctrines and what they think is true, and read the books that I've spent many, many years writing and uh, putting together for you so you can know these things. Or... Let me teach you one-on-one -on -one at the inner circle. But it's important to know the truth because it's the only thing that will free us from this matrix of lies that we found ourselves entangled in. Yes, exactly. And that's a perfect note to end on. Dr. Scott, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your knowledge with everyone. That was well, an you're amazing welcome, Chris. program. Uh, I'd love to have you back on sometime. And sure, I hope you sure. have a great night, Dr. Scott. Well, thank you, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful night yourself.